Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Have you ever stood there in worship, singing or at least mouthing the words, trying to get through the music, wondering what you were doing and why it mattered? Well, today, we're going to begin a series on worship to find out what it really is and how we can restore that passion to worship. Join us for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. On behalf of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose, welcome to Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Gary Wagner. Today, Pastor Gary begins a series on worship, and we focus our attention as we begin this series on the priority of worship. You see, we have to lay a foundation if we are to understand just exactly what worship really is. There are so many preconceived ideas and notions about worship. Some think it's just singing. Others think it's a bit more. Just about everybody believes it takes place only on Sundays. Well, today we embark on this amazing journey to help us understand what worship really is and to restore a sense of awe and wonder about worship. Won't you join us? With today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, with a few select verses, here's Pastor Gary. Today we begin literally a journey into heaven itself. Since worship is the chief employment of those who inhabit heaven, we need to examine that which will consume our time for all of eternity. Those who go to heaven will not spend their time counting the number of gold pieces in the streets of gold. They will not be spending their time measuring the size of the city, nor will they be just laying around on clouds of ease. Those who inhabit heaven spend all of their time, and that for all of eternity, in the business of worship. Now, I'm going to make a blanket statement, and I hope over the next few weeks as we study this grand theme of worship that you will come to see the truth in it, and that is that the worship of God is the most noble act of which any man, any woman, or any young person is capable. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean. Did you know that the first thing that God did after creation was to set aside an entire day for his worship? Of course you did. But did you know also that the very last command given in the Bible before the canon was closed forever was the command to worship God? Revelation 22, 9. The first thing in the Bible is about worship. And the very last thing in the Bible is about worship. Does that give you any indication at all about what everything in between is about? 
The Bible is our textbook. The Bible is our guidebook. The Bible is our instruction book on how to worship God, and we are commanded to do so. I find it very interesting in the same vein that John tells us in chapter 4 about the great story of Jesus and the woman at the well. She says, Some say we ought to worship here, and others say we ought to worship there. But Jesus replies and says that the time is coming when... Let's actually turn to that passage. Because it's so important for me to not just tell you what it says. In verse 7, Jesus comes to a woman at a well, and she says, he says, give me a drink. And then says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says, give me a drink, you would have asked him to give you living water to drink. Then this encounter leads Jesus to talk about worship. In verse 21, Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. For ye worship ye know not what. I am totally convinced that this is a statement that can be said about most of the churches today. You worship that which you do not know. People do not know the object of their worship. And then Jesus continues, We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Get this now. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Brethren, it is so important that we realize God is not primarily seeking converts. God is primarily seeking worshipers. And this is an interesting situation because there were two things going on here, and both of them were different caricatures of the worship of God. The woman says in verse 19, I perceive you are a prophet. And our father is worshipped in the mountain, Mount Gerizim, and you people worship in Jerusalem. These were two different modes of worship. And you can immediately identify those in terms of modern Christianity. In Mount Gerizim, it was all bubble and froth. It was all celebration. It was all waving of hands in the air and getting emotionally excited, but there was no doctrine. It was all based on the emotional response to whatever was going on in their lives. On the other hand, what had happened in Jerusalem was that they had all the right doctrine, but it was absolutely dead orthodoxy. There was no life to it. There was no vibrancy. It was not inspiring in the least. And we have that in our American churches today. 
You have one group here where they worship, where their worship is all celebratory. They start singing a song and they're not three words into the song and people are swaying and waving their hands and using words that no one can even recognize. And their theology is abominable. Then on the other hand, you've got a group over here who have all the right doctrine, but has little effect on their lives. And the woman at the well is asking, which form is right? Well, the problem is that they're both wrong. We need to take the orthodoxy of the one group and then add the zeal and the fervor of the other group. Then you will have real biblical Christianity in worship. It's not about merely bringing together an outward emotionalism with orthodoxy. I'm not talking about, a, I'm, I am talking about a real heartfelt worship of God as He has commanded. To be truly focused inwardly on praising and honoring God with the entirety of our worship. To sing joyfully out of gratitude. To praise zealously knowing God answers the prayers of the righteous. To give to God sacrificially knowing that all you have he has given you. And to listen intently to the preached word so that you can grow in faith and understanding. Never participating rotely out of obligation but out of fear and reverence. The idea of Calvinists being God's frozen people is the biggest travesty in the history of the Christian church. There should never be a Pentecostal who outdoes a good reformed believer in his zeal for worship. The Pentecostal hasn't anything to worship except worship itself. But people who understand the sovereign grace of God have everything in the world to be excited about. And so many have such little joy. God is not primarily seeking converts, beloved. He is seeking people who will truly worship him in spirit and in truth. The doctrines of God should excite his people. They focus and they lift up Christ. It is the truth of God's word that should motivate you to worship him from the innermost part of your being. You don't have to sway back and forth and lift up your hands and speak in tongues and bark like dogs to be excited about worship. Those are nothing more than outward signs of showy pietism. But as reformed believers... You should be excited each week about coming here arm in arm with your brothers and sisters in Christ to bring glory and honor to Almighty God, your Lord and your Savior. He who has brought you out of the slavery of sin, who sacrificed his all so that you, who deserves nothing but eternal condemnation, might have eternal bliss instead. Think just a moment about creation. In the beginning, there was nothing but God. There was no dust of the earth to make man and woman from. There was absolutely nothing. God created the universe out of nothing. And we can't fathom that with our puny minds. 
The Holy Spirit devotes 33 verses to the creation of the world, starting in Genesis 1 and going to Genesis 2-2. 33 to the creation of the world, and we think creation is pretty magnificent stuff, and certainly it is. But did you know in comparison that in the next two books of the Bible alone, Exodus and Leviticus, that the Holy Spirit devotes 13 chapters and 385 verses to the idea of worship? That is 12 times the amount in just the next two books alone to the worship of God. We make a big deal out of creation, which we should, but very little about worship to our shame. Well, my main point today is that the worship of God should be the ultimate priority of our lives. It is not to be a priority, my friends. The worship of God is to be the ultimate priority of all the created order. And I want to show you this from several passages of Scripture. So turn with me, if you will, first to Exodus 20, where we, of course, have the Ten Commandments. And what you'll see there is that the worship of God is his primary concern. Exodus 20, beginning at verse 1. And God spake all these things, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The first commandment is about worship. Then the second commandment. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. That's about worship. And the third commandment is also about worship. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. When God reveals his character and his moral law, his first three things that he says is make sure your worship is right and proper. It is God's first priority. The top priority for God is not getting people saved. The top priority for God is that those who are saved worship him and that they do it correctly. Do you see the difference in the perspective? Worship is the primary concern of God. God is not interested in simply being first place in your life. Have you ever heard one, someone say, I give God first place in my life and then my family and then my job and then and then and then. God will not share his glory with anyone or anything. God wants to consume our lives and have all these other things that we hold dear to be an expression of his life within us. Paul said, Christ who is our life. He didn't say Christ is first place 
in our life. He said, Christ, who is our life, appears, and we will be revealed with him in glory. Worship is the primary concern of God. Now turn to the book of Matthew, where we have the Lord's Prayer, which we, of course, have been studying now for several weeks on Wednesday night. We see here that the worship of God is the primary concern of Christ. In verse 9 of chapter 6, Jesus begins his discourse on prayer, and he says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Pray like this. Now remember, the disciples had come to him and said, Teach us to pray. They did not say, Teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. So Jesus says, Fine. Do it in secret. In verse 5, he says, Don't pray like the hypocrites who love to stand in the synagogues and pray or on the street corners so many people can see them. But I tell you, you pray and you go into the closet and shut the door. Pray to God in secret. And also, don't use vain or meaningless repetition like the Gentiles. Don't pray formulaic prayers like the pagans. In verse 9, he says, pray this way. If you want to learn about prayer, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, heal all our diseases. Is that what it says? Our Father which art in heaven, give us all traveling mercies. Does your translation say that? Our Father who art in heaven, help America become economically stable. Is that what he tells us to pray? Of course not. When Jesus prayed here, this is how he prayed. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is the primary focus of Christ. Not your salvation, not your comfort, not your convenience, not your physical circumstances, nor your financial situation. The one thing that consumes Christ passionately is that God, above all things, will be honored and glorified. Is that how you pray? Thomas Watson, the great Puritan, said, To hallow something is to set it apart from its common use to some sacred end. To hallow God's name is to set it apart from all of its abuses and to use it in a holy and reverent manner. In particular, to hollow God's name is to give him high honor and veneration and to render his name sacred, unquote. Now think about how we abuse the name of God. You know you don't have to have the word damn after you've been using the Lord's name. It's still used in vain. Someone tells us about some tragic event and we say, oh my God, that is no less using the Lord's name in vain. Or Lordy, Lordy, so and so is 40. It is also no less in vain to use the Lord's name when we call upon him in prayer and have absolutely no intention whatsoever of following up on what we have just prayed for. Lord, please help me to be more faithful in studying your word. And then 
This week is just like every other week, and you hardly crack the Bible open. That is, to call on the name of the Lord in vain. And that's blasphemy, brothers and sisters. Make sure when you pray to the Lord and you ask for something, you follow through on it. Whenever we use the Lord's name in some common way, some profane way, instead of in its holy and reverent and majestic and awesome image, we are not hallowing the name of God. And it is not just in the way we speak. To hallow the name of God means not only to reverence and honor God, but to also glorify God by obedience to his commands. Now the primary essence of our relationship with God is expressed in worship and adoring prayer. The essence of prayer is primarily adoration. If you read the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2, you'll find no petitions, only verse after verse after verse of the wonderful majesty of God about the perfection of his nature, about his holiness and his strength. And she goes on and on, consumed with the perfections of God. In fact, she is so consumed that she can't think of anything else to talk about. Now, we are commanded to bring our petitions to God. I grant you that. But we must never enter into prayer without giving the God the adoration he deserves. What is the difference between the focus of Jesus' prayers and our own? The focus of Jesus' prayer was primarily on the glory of God. The focus of most of our prayers is on ourselves. I love that little acrostic for prayer, ACTS, A-C-T-S. Adoration, and then confession, and then supplication, and then thanksgiving, and then supplication, acts. Brethren, if we would spend more time adoring God, then it would lead us to spend more time thanking God for his forgiveness of our sins. And then, if we have any breath left, I guarantee he will hear your petitions. We seem to have the idea that prayer is little more than getting God off of his duff and into action on our behalf, giving him his marching orders for the day, letting him know all the things he's got to do to make us happy. The purpose of prayer in the Bible is to adore God, and we have lost the sense of that, beloved. As I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon, worship is the eternal employment of the inhabitants in heaven. Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. This should be a very familiar passage where Isaiah is confronted with the holiness of God. And I want you to see the elements of Isaiah's vision here. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. Now I want you to notice the purpose of these wings. With twain, he covered his face. That's an act of reverence. With twain, he covered his feet. That also is an act of reverence. 
and with twain he did fly. That is an act of service. Two-thirds of the wings that God gave to the seraphim were to express reverence, while one-third expressed service. Now notice what these seraphim say. Here they are in the presence of God. If you had the opportunity to be in the literal, physical presence of God and to say anything you wanted to God, what would you say? Well, unfortunately, in hearing most people's prayers over the years, and I include my own, I'd say we'd probably ask for something. But notice what the seraphim said. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm